Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that brings you deep dive interviews with the motorcycle industry insiders and racers that make the sport move. I'm host Dale Spangler, and this week my guest is Dave Drakes, owner of the Collective Experience and two-wheel lead for the electric outdoor vehicle manufacturer Volcon ePowerSports. This episode is brought to you by Moto America. See the fastest racing on two wheels. It's Moto America Superbikes at Barber Park, May 19th the 21st. See six classes of racing featuring 190 mile per hour superbikes. It's fun for the whole family with available VIP and camping packages. Treat yourself to the ultimate fan experience with the Moto America VIP experience. It's Moto America Superbikes at Barber Park, May 19th through the 21st. Get your tickets and camping spot today at MotoAmerica.com. Let's get started. Dave Drakes, welcome to Pit Pass Moto. How are things today, and what are your thoughts about Denver? I can't believe it. What's up, man? Uh, things are going good. Another another busy Monday, and man, for Denver, dude, I'm I'm feeling so dejected and down for Eli, man. Like I know, I, you know, even though I'm like I, I would say I lean more towards a Sexton fan. I mean, I love all these guys, right? But uh, even just seeing that, man, could you imagine being that close to a title? And not to mention, like, you know, legacy stuff. But, dude, that's millions of dollars that just goes out the window for, like, a simple triple. You know what I mean? It's just. No. Oh, man. It, I feel so gutted for the dude. Me too. I almost kind of took it for granted that he was just going to wrap this thing up and then yeah. carry that momentum into outdoors. But now it's just, like, everything is just blown wide open. It's literally basically handed it to Chase Sexton, who I'm a big fan of, too. Like, mm-hmm. I just. The guy's just so silky smooth, you know? Like, you just can't help but think that. He's definitely that next generation, you know, and I feel like Eli had to adapt a little bit, the riding style, but like Chase and Jetter to me are just that new school, just buttery smooth riding style, standing up everywhere. Yeah. Um, Fundamentals are on point for those guys, man. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's a, you hate to see guys go out like that, but such is the sport, right? Yeah. I keep hearing people say like, it's just the cruelty of motocross, you know, like one minute you're a winner and then, you know, you go from hero to zero, like quickly. <laughs> you know? Quick, so, quick, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about, I know you've got uh, like two aspects of your background that I'm really interested in talking about, you know, like your, we'll call it your day job with, at Volcon. Yeah. But then you also have this really cool, you know, side project, you mm-hmm. know, passion project, if you will, called the Collective Experience. Yes, sir. For listeners out there who might not know about the Collective Experience, like, Break that down a little bit and tell us what it's about. It's very simply just the best motorsports experience that you can possibly get. And I, I stand behind that 100%. We really care about all the fans that come through our program. And we're basically a all, all access uh, behind the scenes experience program for race fans. 
So people like you and me, we get a chance to really hang out with our favorite racers. I mean, go into the rigs, touch the bikes, talk to them on like, you know, it's a very personal level. You're helping the team do so many cool things. And, and we, we try to make it as immersive as possible. Uh, it's been going on for a couple of years. We tend to cater more towards the privateer or satellite support teams um, because they need a lot of the funding. And what we do raise in our program for funding, we give over 70% back to the teams that really need them. It's a super beneficial program to everybody involved, the fans, the teams, uh, the sponsors, all of that. Um, we, we have a good time doing it. And we also have an internship program that allows people to get hands-on experience in Supercross and Motocross professional races where you wouldn't be able to get this experience other places. It's a resume builder and so many, I, I think it's something like 75 or 80% of our interns get hired indirectly to the industry. And it's been super fun, man. As a, as a race fan myself, I get kind of jealous sometimes. I'm like, dude, I wish this was around. When I was like 18, 17, 16, <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, it's it's a really fun program to run and we're, we're so pumped on the impact that we're having. You know, it's kind of like a next level fan experience, if you will, because it's more than just going around and seeing the racers and taking a glimpse behind the scenes. I mean, you're really actually participating in the experience. Like if you choose to be part of a pit crew, for example. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of in there helping them with the bike and maybe getting some gear ready. And I mean, you really like get an immersive experience for what it's like to be part of a Supercross privateer team, I guess you will. 100%. I mean, you're, they got the headphones on, they're they're spotting for the racers. You said it perfectly. They're, you know, they're helping get gear ready or helping with the bike. I mean, whatever, whatever they're comfortable with, you know, we, we kind of tailor each experience to the, to the individual. But I mean, you really are a teammate and it's really cool because if your rider or your team has a good, a good race, you're, you're attributed to that. It's because you, you were also there to share in the, the work and the, the ups and downs. And dude, it, it's, it's such a, such a fun program to, to be a part of. And I can't tell you all of the, the cool stories we have over the years of people doing this, man, and just making memories. It's, it's awesome. The real goal of it to me seems like just to, to introduce people to our sport. Yes. Hopefully you're helping bring more people in the industry, but you're also just making like true lifelong fans out of them, I would assume. Oh, 100%. I mean, there's, we have a few people that come in that are like, hey man, my buddy told me about this. I've got no idea about dirt bikes. Like I want to check it out. And they leave like... Dude, it's it's like soccer hooligan level fan fan fandom. I mean, dude, they got like the the Tomac shirts, they got the freaking the the web hats. I mean, they're they're so fully into it, and it, it's awesome to kind of see the sport brought to just a just a demographic that really wouldn't have seen this before. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, we have a lot of guys that race dirt bikes, but they never brought their you know their best friends or their girlfriends or wives with them, and you know we help introduce them to the sport, get them really immersed in the teams, and they leave more of a fan than their buddy who's really into it. You know what I mean? So it's definitely a way to, to introduce the sport to a lot of, to a lot of people and get them opportunities that they really wouldn't have otherwise. I love that. Yeah. Because I, I think about like a lot of people are introduced to, I'm, I'm going to use the term monster truck uh, yeah. route where it's like, kind of like you go and you really don't know a lot about the sport, but yeah. you know, it's cool and wild and there's flames, you know, at the beginning of the opening ceremonies. Yeah. But this to me is like, after this experience, I mean, they're guzzling the Kool-Aid, right? I mean, they're all in probably. <laughs> oh, for sure. It's, and it happens quick, man. It's like a, a switch flips or something. Like when you personally are talking to the rider who's out there, like dude, it, it happens so fast. They get really hooked into it. And it's, it's awesome to see. Some of the partners I think I've seen you work with is like AJ Cantanzaro, mm -hmm. like the Antignap brothers, probably Jeff Crutcher, who we've had on the show, like yep. great guy. I love seeing what he's doing with his privateer team. Oh, he's the best. Yeah. I mean, so, so with that aspect of it, I mean, you just kind of keep building like with who you're working with or is it primarily focused on those privateers? 
Yeah, we kind of we kind of build uh, every year and the, and the number kind of varies depending on which riders need the help, because, you know, most of the time these riders, they don't have much funding or yep. they really don't have that support person. So they kind of rely heavily on our program to supply them with either a mechanic or just an extra set of hands or something, you know, at the races. Um, but every year, I'd say we have maybe between eight to 15 privateers that we're helping out at varying levels. You have guys at the top level, like, you know, like, like you said, the Entignaps, AJ Cat, all those guys that have the good funding all the way down to like, you know, Josh Greco, who's out there just living in the van, you know, um, we, tr- we try to help out as many privateers as possible and, and uh, you know, fund them, get them, get them the support, recognition, the resources they, they need. I saw something where you have on your website, there's something called a master class. So t- tell us about that. Is that just kind of a higher level for someone that really is specifically wanting to break into the industry and say, be a team manager or mechanic or what have you? So uh, we partnered up with the Moto Academy, AJ Catanzaro's, you know, brainchild. And in there, he's got a vast array of different master classes that you can partake in. Uh, most of them are riding focused, but they also go into like mechanic work and a few other things. And uh, the one that we have is focusing on just honestly being the your best you and presenting yourself well within the industry. And a few of these things can you can take outside of motocross and supercross, but we, we get a lot of questions around, hey, how do I do really well in my in an interview with a team? Or how do I present myself the best way to, to get a gig? Or um, you know, how do I market myself the best way? So we kind of walk through a masterclass and like an eight-step process on how to do all of that. Um, it's even got someone on how to get sponsored if you're you know looking to get some help uh, financially uh, for, for your races. So we, we go into some pretty in-depth things, but I, I thought it was really important to do this because, you know, again, I get so many questions about it and I don't think it's talked about enough, like the best way to market yourself, to showcase who you are and, and get the, the recognition, the opportunities and the, and the support you need. That's really a great point because I mean, I think it is probably overlooked a lot, you know, that aspect of it. People that really want to get into the sport and how do they conduct themselves? Things like it's a very small industry. Like unless you're in it, you would kind of realize that like it's a small world. Like if you piss this person off over here, who knows if you're going to be working for them, you know, two years down the road. And so, yeah, it's kind of wrapping your head around how the whole industry actually works. It sounds like. Yeah. And you said it perfectly. I mean, there's, I can't tell you how many times I have to be like, Hey man, I know you're kind of bummed on this, on this thing ending or whatever. Don't burn a bridge. <laughs> Just leave with a smile. Yep. You never know. It's a small industry. Everybody knows everybody. You never know what's going to happen down the road. So yeah, <laughs> that's definitely part of it. Now, I saw where it looks like you might potentially branch off into maybe some other segments. Like, I think I saw like a NASCAR experience you had recently. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we've been working with, uh, I don't know if you've seen him, but uh, Michael J. Kicks, the custom boot designer. Um, he's super heavily tied into the NASCAR world and uh, kind of uh, went to one of them to check him out and got the full lay of the land. And uh, man, it was pretty cool. You know, it, it was uh, definitely interesting to see the cars race around the track and with no jumps <laughs> and a couple more wheels. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was. It was was exciting, man. And, and um, I think there's definitely a need for this in the NASCAR world. And I'm 100% down to uh, to bring that over. So we're laying the groundwork now, trying to make sure that that happens. And, you know, we can have the same level of impact that we have on the two wheel side for the four wheel side. So yeah, it's definitely in the works. Very cool. Well, let's, let's go back even further now and talk more about your background and wh- where you grew up. And, you know, when did your passion for power sports begin? I think I saw where you grew up in kind of the uh, greater Hartford, Connecticut area. Yeah, from uh, from Connecticut, New England, born and raised. Grew up, you know, racing dirt bikes, man. My dad was super in, in the two wheels and got me a dirt bike when I was pretty young. And just going to our local tracks, um, started racing at a pretty early age. Southwick's our local track. It's only like 30 or 40 minutes away. And it's one hell of a track to have your first race at, I will, I will say. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> oh, I got beat up for years at that track. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, but yeah, I just did the normal, you know, motocross, supercross thing, just traveling with the parents, going to different tracks, different regionals, tried my hand at Loretta's and realized really quickly that my buddies are a lot faster than me. <laughs> so yeah, you know, just, just did the, the normal thing. And, and it's very easy to, to, to get into the sport, especially when your dad's into it and your friends are all into it. And you just, you get immersed in it. You see the people, the the competition, the challenges, the the ups, the downs. I mean, you just, you just fall in love with it. So I got hooked pretty early and ended up thinking I wanted to be a mechanic for a while. Went to mechanic school and got really into like, uh, like the videography portion with some buddies and commentating. I really loved like the social aspect of the sport as well. And after a while I realized, hey, you know, I kind of want to, see if I can design these things too, not just work on them and wrench on them. And went back to engineering school, still riding and racing throughout this time, working at part shops, trying to afford books oh, yeah. <laughs> and stuff like that. Gas to get the classes. Yeah. You know what it's like, man. It's, it's, it's stressful when you're a broke college kid. And um, yeah, lucky enough, I, I got uh, picked up by Harley right after college in my engineering degree and flew out to Wisconsin, started working on um, designing motors for them and intakes and full vehicle systems. And um, did that for a long time and then uh, made the transition over back to, to off-road dirt bikes here in Austin. And it's it's been a fun ride ever since, man. Yeah, I think I saw where maybe this was during, like when you were first coming up, you said you race local races like Southwick, which by the way, I agree with you. Like if there's a worse track, you can probably have your first race because there's no faster locals in my mind than Southwick, you know? Everybody is super fast there. Oh, like, yeah. Dude, if you, if you try to take like a millisecond of a break, you're getting passed by like two different dudes. <laughs> It's it's crazy. They have the fastest locals of all time, man. Yeah, I remember one year I went to, uh, did the national in 89 there, and I did the week before they had like a locals race, mm -hmm. like a warm-up race. Yeah. And I think I did worse in that than I did in the national. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> yeah. crazy. And there's no rhyme or, rhyme or reason to why that that's that's like that, man. They're just like freaks of nature out there, man. I don't know. It must be something in the water around us or something. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I saw during that time, I think it was like from 2009 to 12, like you worked for Smith Racing Team. Was is that like just kind of another local race team or is it something else? So it was uh, my buddy, uh, Jenna Smith. She was a pro WMX racer for a long time and oh. grew up with her. Our dads were like best buddies and started wrenching for her a little bit and just um, sort of like a crew chief role. And we, we do a lot of the uh, the bigger WMX rounds and um, just supporting her a little bit here and there and stuff. So it was a great opportunity. Kind of, I learned so much and learned about the the, the ins and outs of, you know, putting together a solid bike and just having a, a program that ran smoothly, you know, a lot of logistics in these outfits, um, which a lot of people don't realize, but it was a really, really fun time. Just getting to work with a bunch of cool people, a bunch of buddies, and just learn the ropes. It's very cool that you're able to sort of combine two things that you're interested in, because obviously like mechanical engineering, like I kind of see that coming from working on the bikes and yeah. you, you realize you've got some mechanical you know, aptitude. And so is that kind of what sort of drove you in that direction to go to college for mechanical engineering? Definitely. I mean, I realized I really had a good time, just like, you know, most of us out there had a really good time working on my bikes. Right. And the more I worked in it, the more questions I had, the more curious I got. I'm like, hey, I wonder if this was made out of a different material, like what would happen? Or, hey, if I want to make more power, what's a easy, cheap way to do that, you know, and just started asking myself more and more questions. And I was like, you know what, I should probably figure out how to design these things and get these questions answered and see if I could make a really cool motorcycle one day, you know, and uh, things just kind of spiraled from there and made the full leap to to get that degree and 
had some cool opportunities pop up from it for sure. Yeah. I mean, your first job out of college is Harley. I mean, wow, that's pretty dang awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That yeah. one, that one was kind of a, a lot of left field. I had some really cool internships. I had a NASA funded research grant that I got selected for. So we were doing some really nerdy stuff, man. We were testing uh, airfoils and prefer dis- differentials and making them more efficient, stuff like that. And um, I had a couple other internships. One was for like inside sales engineering, which grateful for the opportunity, but man, I, it put me to sleep <laughs> just about every day. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, I, I went to an engineering conference and I was talking to uh, some recruiters about just motorcycles. You know, I'm a big nerd for motorcycles, like we all are. And, you know, they're like, hey, we'd love to talk to you about a cool opportunity. And he's like, hey, what's your background in motorcycles? And I got halfway through telling him about it and they stopped me. They're like, hey, we want to make a job offer. And I was like, oh, okay, that was that was easy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, so cool. Um, yeah, it was it was it was nuts. I, I, I I think when I, when I talk to the recruiters after, they don't have many people that are that have a riding background that also want to do the engineering route. You know, it's usually you just you see the the math, the mechanical stuff behind it, and you want to hop into it. But very rarely do they have people make the crossover, which I think is more prevalent now. You see a lot more um, a lot more people that are I guess combining both now. So it was super cool, and and everything happened super fast. A month a month later, I was in Wisconsin and designing some cool stuff for them. I saw where you did some really fascinating projects during your your time in college where like you guys got to like as a team maybe refurbish a, a wind tunnel or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was interesting. We had this like super rundown wind tunnel that we were we were looking to use for a lot of our um higher level classes. So, I mean, as you can imagine, a lot of this stuff is super theoretical, just really hard to make tangible. Like you're learning all these different theorems and different equations and all the, a lot of these principles where you're like, dude, I, I kind of get how it works, but I don't really fully get it. And for me, I need to see it, touch it, understand the, the whole, the whole deal to fully grasp the concept. So my thought behind it was that we could take this and you know, help ourselves and other students kind of visualize a lot of what we're learning. So it was me and a group, we were just about every, every day, man, we were just in the basement, just refurbishing this thing, grabbing hand tools, soldering, painting, just doing so much to try to get this thing going and ended up working out pretty good, man. It, it's, uh, it was a super cool project and great way to get introduced into like, you know, the, the hands-on engineering world. I feel like just doing all those different types of projects just has to be just a way to make you such a, a much more well-rounded engineer. Like I saw where you did some amputee re- rehabilitation rowing device projects or something like that, yeah. and then some electric vehicles, which kind of leads into your next role with Vulcan. But yeah, I mean, I feel like that's got to be just some cool stuff, some memories even from your time there. Most definitely. I mean, it's honestly, it's just picking up things that you think are interesting. Like that's one thing that I always try to do is, is projects that I have fun with, something that um, is exciting, can help people. And the amputee rowing device that we created was just one of those. It's like, hey, you know, how can we help people who, uh, you know, might be down in appendage continue on with a cool physical activity like rowing? It was super fun. We didn't get it right the first couple of times, but we finally finally got the chance <laughs> to figure it out after a while. And yeah, the electric car club, honestly, I'm Again, I'm a gearhead and uh, somebody told me, hey, we can put this big motor in this little truck and make it go fast. And I was like, hey, I'm there. Sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I saw where I think Honda even has like a dedicated division now to robotics and prosthetic type robotics. Really fascinating to where some of this some of these directions of these companies like looking towards the future. Have you noticed that, too? 
Yeah, most definitely. I mean, you're starting to see a lot of sectors pop up that really weren't thought of before. You know, we didn't even think of it as, as a as a concept a couple of years ago. But now with new technologies, new materials, new awareness to different needs that that select groups have. I mean, you're seeing full divisions pop up and like just literally industries built around a thing that we had no idea about 10 years ago. So it's really, really cool to see the innovation. And it doesn't only benefit that one industry. A lot of the principles or devices or, or techniques use can translate into other things. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing that can say a new material that's used in a prosthetic robotic arm can't be used on dirt bike plastic, right? Make it more uh, more shatter resistant or more lightweight or just scratch resistant, something like that. So there's so many applications for what we learn in different divisions that uh, to me is, is, is one of the cooler parts of it. Yeah, I think of like the 3D printers come to mind. It's just such a game changer for, you know, like making prototypes. And yeah. I think a lot of the factory teams I understand, like I think I saw that Kawasaki Science of Supercross where they use 3D printers to like test different products, like a chain block or something, for example, you know, just makes it that much easier to kind of iterate new versions of a product. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it takes the the manufacturing time and cuts it in like a quarter, you know, when you're, when you're looking at the amount of time it takes to, you know, quote something with a supplier and get the material for it and send the specs and all of this stuff make it take weeks where if you have a 3D printer, you're typing in, changing a few things, you have your part in an hour. There's so much world of possibilities with that stuff. It's crazy. Before you finish today's episode, first we have a word from our sponsor. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So let's talk about your current role now. So it looks like last year, you it looks like you got called up by uh, upstart EV manufacturer Volcon, who I think that has some of the best marketing out there, some of the best looking vehicles. So tell us about that and what your role is there. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was looking to get more into the, the off-road world when I was at Harley and I got a call from one of the Vulcan directors like, hey, we saw your resume. We'd love to talk to you about an opportunity to be a technical program manager, which basically is helping the, the program stay afloat, keeping them on track, working on the budget, timing, resource standpoint of it. And because, you know, I had the technical background, you'd be able to get your hands a little bit more dirty with the engineering side of things and just uh, more like an uh, overseer of these programs. Um, and it, it ended up working out really well for us and hopped in that role and helped to launch one of the coolest products I've had the pleasure of working on, which is the Brat little electric e-bike. Super fun little yes. thing. I mean, I can't tell so you. So cool. Yeah, it's so much fun, dude. I've worked on, you know, million dollar Harley projects, but this thing takes the cake, man. This thing is it's a portion of that budget, but like the, the amount of talent we have in this building, the the amount of uh, hardworking people, man. It just made this project so much fun. It's a cool little like e-bike with a with a throttle on it, good size motor, all this cool storage. And it's, it's just really, really fun to be a part of that. And uh, once that thing launched, um, we had a need for some more support in other departments and I ended up getting promoted to uh, lead of two-wheel development. So now I'm overseeing all of our two-wheel platforms, making sure that things are running smoothly, that we've got a good product out there. And, uh, you know, we're, we're doing our customer uh, a, a huge service by, uh, you know, listening to them and designing it the way that they would want to see it designed. Yeah, that was something I actually had a note on here that you really tried to listen to customer feedback on that Brat model because 
I feel like you just nailed it. Like the look of it, just the way that the handlebars, like it just, everything just seemed like you, you guys nailed it. And the fact is, like I just couldn't believe the price points. You know, when I was looking, I'm like, these things are really reasonable for what you're getting and the way they look. And the same thing for some of your other models. Like I love the, like the runt and the grunt where they, they kind of remind me of an old Yamaha BW 200 with those big ATV tires on them. So cool. <laughs> They're awesome, man. You know, one thing is that I'm really grateful for is everyone here is like super passionate about what we do. We're all off-road nerds. We love two wheels. We love the uh, power sports industry. We're all riders um, or, you know, mountain bikers or dirt bikers, road racers, something of that aspect. So we're, we're, we're customers ourselves, you know, like we, we thought about how we would use the product, um, you know, as, as riders ourselves, what, what would we pay for it? Knowing that we already pay for expensive <laughs> toys and stuff in our, in our garage, you know, we don't want to, you know, pay out the nose for something super expensive. So we took all of this into mind, uh, architecture, the ergo all of that stuff and, and put it out there for our customers. And yeah, you're right. We, we listen to them 100%. If they say they want something polka dot with rainbow sparkles on it, we're, we're doing it. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah, and, and the run and the grunt are so fun, man. Like coming from like, you know, the motocross racer world, you know, you want like the, the lightest this and premium suspension and all this other stuff. But you forget like just riding a motorcycle in general off-road is super fun. And the 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 run and the grunt kind of take you back to that. You know what I mean? Like the um, the run itself. Just giggling. It, you, know? you can't you can't wipe the smile off my face, man. <laughs> I when, I, when we're all on the run, we're just banging, banging bars, banging elbows and just having a good time <laughs> through the trails. There's nothing better than that, man. These bikes are so fun, low maintenance, easy to use. Anyone can ride them. They're just they're an absolute blast. Man. Yeah, as soon as I saw that, Brad, I was like, ah, because where I live, I'm like a mile from the Boise Airport, but it's only like a mile and a half to downtown. So gotcha. I'm kind of in this sort of urban area where like it would be so fun just to run down to the coffee shop yeah. or whatever. I mean, it'd just be super cool. But I also noticed that uh, you guys are introducing some mini bikes, kind of like in the Strider type style, yeah. but they're, it looks like they got the Torot engines in them. Mm -hmm. But what's the, the plans there? Is it just kind of rounding out your lineup or is there plans to expand even further into some segments we might not know about yet. <laughs> For sure, we're we're, uh, we're we're always looking to to expand into into new worlds, and that's kind of what the um, our, our mini offerings, the Moto uh, Kids One and Two, are about. It's it's sort of your first soiree into 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 moto into two wheel riding, and I, and I always say it's almost like a bridge between the Stasic and like your your um, your high end KTM racer. You know what I mean? It's yep. it's fully electric. You have the throttle, you have the the hydraulic brakes. So you're learning a lot of the fundamentals to riding. You got the suspension on there, um, but you have the app programmability, which is really nice. So you can have somebody who, who's never ridden a motorcycle before, a little little three four year old on there, and really tune it and cater to what they would need you know you can make the throttle just um really really easy you can make the top speed really really low and as they start to hone their skills to get more comfortable you can turn the dial up um they're really programmable uh without scaring the kids too much i remember me and my little brother we're, we're 15 years apart so uh when i was like 20 he was just kind of you know five getting his feet wet with dirt bikes bought him a ktm 50 and man, it scared the crap out of them. You know, yeah. these things were, it was just so torquey, the noise, the weight, um, kind of scared them out of the sport for a little while. And, um, you know, with, with these new bikes that we have, the kids went in two, they're all electric, there's no maintenance, there's no noise, and you can really uh, just make it that much more of an enjoyable experience and kind of usher them into the sport. And you're doing it for half the price of a KTM. So you can't, you can't beat that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think you made a really good point there about just that first experience, having it be less intimidating can mean all the difference between yeah. making someone that's hooked and becomes a lifetime enthusiast or someone that just says, 
No way. Like, that scared the crap out of me. I'm not doing that again. Because I was just talking to a buddy of mine this morning, and he's talking about teaching his wife, and he's like, I'm scared to death of teaching her because uh -huh. she doesn't have any fear. Like, she doesn't know the repercussions yet when you grab a handful and you get throttle lock and you run into a fence, you know? <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's not easy to teach someone yeah. new. And so, like, a less intimidating way like this, I mean, that seems like a win-win for everybody. Oh, it, it's awesome, man. I mean, all of our products, you know, they they do have some zip to them. I will say that when you put them in the higher, higher drive modes. But that's one of the cool things is bringing people out there that don't really know what they're doing and and you could just again give them that introduction into uh off-road riding and at the end of the day dude they're just confident they're beaming they're all they're all into it man I'm, I'm all for that experience yeah it's going to be pretty incredible when we start seeing these young kids that coming out of that stasic era like when they become professionals you know like it's going to be interesting to see how much more they elevate the sport because I mean their kids are doing backflips on these things at whatever eight years old now you know to where it's just <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's nuts. I was talking to AJ about this a little while ago, and I'm like, dude, we're going to see like freaking like Jet Lawrence in every class. You know what yeah. I mean? You're going to go see, watch the 65 of the Reddas, and they're going to be scrubbing harder than the 450 guys, you know, because they've been riding since they were 10, 11, 12 months on a stasic and then yeah. transition right over to an electric bike. And there's there's really no downtime, you know? It's pretty incredible. I'm, I'm stoked to see what the, what the future brings for the sport, man. All these new innovations. I'm, I'm hoping it helps us grow and we just get more and more talent just dumped into the pro ranks. Well, it sounds like just a fun job that you have there at Volcon and what you do with Collective Experience. But I'm curious, how do you get all this done? Like, how do you balance the two? Because it sounds like a lot of work between, you know, your 40 plus hour, you know, day job and then you have the weekends to go do the collective experience how, how do you balance it oh it's it's a lot i will say i mean there there are some nights where i'm getting suboptimal sleep i will say that <laughs> <laughs> but uh i don't know if i want to say it out loud because my girlfriend might be listening and yell at me <laughs> you're not getting enough sleep but uh um no i mean it's it's a balancing act for sure i mean it's it's um there's some days where you're like man i've I've been going two days straight, just trying to get things going with the collective. And then I've got supplier calls for the Vulcan side. So it is a lot of balance. But, uh, you know, I, I do have a um, few people that are that, that can help out. So I, I do have some good buddies that are that are willing to help out that know the program inside and out. They're all for that passion of moto and sharing that with people so it's really good to have that but um i won't lie it does get tough man there was a while where one of my gigs for harley was to travel uh, from monday to about friday um doing some um, on-track testing and i would literally fly back on the um, friday go home, grab my other suitcase and go right back out the door for Supercross on the weekends and then get back on Sunday, change suitcases and go right back out for Monday. So uh, yeah, there's a while where I was like, man, I have, a, I have a new couch I just bought. I haven't even sat in the thing in like six months. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I really, I'm like, what am I paying rent for? <laughs> so oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was it, there's some days that, that get really, really crazy. But yeah, it's all about just prioritizing, getting a balancing act and just, uh, you know, making sure you're you're maximizing the time that you do that you do have. Well, it's obviously it shows how much passion you have for the industry too, because you're going above and beyond. But I'm curious to know, like with your engineering background now, if you weren't involved in power sports, um, I always like to ask this to my guests. But is there is there another sector or something else that you're equally passionate about that would fill that two wheel void? Because I know it's for most people, it's tough. Oh man, that's that's a tough question. Because I mean, I'm I'm super into like you know motors, racing, stuff like that, but if it wasn't on that side, uh, the roller coaster engineering side, I was really, yeah. I was super into like roller coaster tycoon, that like roller coaster designing game yep. when I was younger. Um, dude, I got super, I got hooked, like Call of Duty type hooked on that thing. <laughs> I, I'd say that that kind of interests me, but 
I mean, nowhere near the level of power sports and two wheels, obviously. But I, I said I'd probably be in something like that or maybe even like toy creation, like really fun, exciting toys for kids some way. But other than that, I mean, it's tough. It's tough to imagine anything but two wheels, man. <laughs> I won't lie to you. I'm there with you. <laughs> yeah, it's been my entire life since I've been 12 years old. So, man, it's, it's just it's tough. It's tough to get away from it, man. That passion just burns deep, you know. Sure does. Well, I thought I'd mention one more thing. Uh, you also have a cool podcast to call What the Pros Ride that you've been putting out episodes. And tell us a little bit about that and uh, any other fun projects on the horizon like that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we, got, we have a YouTube channel uh, where we feature different segments. What the pros ride is like a Monday thing where uh, we show you what the privateers are riding. You know, we, we do do some factory editions of that. So we showed you um, like Jet Lawrence's bike. We did, we got a deep dive into uh, Jeremy Martin's, AJ's um, full full custom tip to tail 125 bike. But for the most part, we like to, to show the privateer bikes. And um, I think a lot of people would be surprised that they're not too far off from the average bike. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They might have the cool graphics and stuff, but for the most part, they're racing what some of the C-class guys are racing on. So I love highlighting them, kind of shows off a little bit of the ingenuity that they have to um, kind of get into, you know what I mean? Since they don't have the bigger budgets. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they got to get kind of creative. Um, so it's it's really cool to highlight them. We also have uh, live watch parties that we do on the weekends for the races that I can't get to. We do a live watch party where we'll just bench race, have on various pro guests and sort of do our own commentary and live chat with people, do some giveaways and have some fun. And we also do another weekly show um, just kind of like a 20 minute wrap up of the of the races or what's happening in the sport called the Foul Plugs Moto Show. So we have some fun with it for sure. We're always doing things with the Moto Academy um, inside that app. And there's always cool partnerships that we're looking for on the horizon and a lot of fun to be had on, on social. I will say that. Anybody can just Google the collective experience and all your stuff will come up, I would assume. Yep. The collective xp.com is, is right for our website. And then uh, at the collective ex on Instagram, uh, the collective experience on Facebook, the collective experience on YouTube. So yeah, just give that a Google. You'll find us. We'll pop up. You'll see our shiny, colorful, multi-tie-dye logo and <laughs> a bunch of dirt, a bunch of dirt bike stuff. <laughs> awesome. Well, Dave, you know, I really appreciate your time today. It's been fun telling some of your story and seeing what you're doing and just how much passion you have for the industry. And uh, any last words before I wrap up this episode? No, I think thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Um, been a fan of the podcast for a minute, man. So uh, really stoked to be on here and, and really appreciate you highlighting all the little guys of the sport and even some bigger names and stuff. So yeah, keep it up, man. And I hope to talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Well, it's always fun showcasing people like you and uh, that give back to the sport. And like I said, all the best. Thanks so much. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to follow Pit Pass Moto on your favorite podcast listening app so you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, please rate and review our show. We'd appreciate it. You can also follow us on social media or visit pitpassmoto.com where you can listen to past episodes and purchase your very own Pit Pass Moto swag. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson and the production team at Wessler Media. I'm Dale Spangler. I hope you'll join us next week for another episode of Pit Pass Moto. Thanks for listening. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.